Good morning and a very warm welcome to our phone service and podcast for today, Sunday the 5th of February. The podcast comes live from Drung Church last week when we returned to the book of Revelation chapter 15 and 16 and looked at this difficult subject of the wrath of God but saw how it's actually good news and so I'll hand you over to that service now. Good morning. Very warm welcome to Drung Church this morning for our service of morning prayer. Uh, Hopefully you've got a blue service card and a hymn sheet and that should have everything on that you need to follow along this morning. Welcome to those online as well. It's good to have you with us. We're returning to the book of Revelation and we're in chapter 15 uh, where we left off I think sometime before Christmas and uh, we're reaching the harder bits. But listen to one of the verses we'll have read in verse 3. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways. And this opening hymn is based on these words. It reminds us great things he's done and the great thing he's done in giving his son for us. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Let's remain standing and sing to God be the glory. Number 373.
great things he has done. Well, please do be seated for our first Bible reading. And you can see this uh, inside the service sheet or in the church Bibles, Revelation chapter 15, page 1036. And children, in this book of Revelation, numbers often mean something. And there's lots of numbers. Uh, number seven in this reading. Can you count how many times you hear the number seven uh, in this reading? Revelation 15. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image, and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How many uh, sevens did you hear? How many? Eight? How many? Eight. eight. You all got eight. Eight sevens. I think there were, yes. Lots of number seven we've, we've seen in the book of Revelation, the seven seals, the seven trumpets. Now we get the seven angels with seven plagues, with the seven bowls of wrath uh, that we'll look at in the next chapter. This number seven is significant. It means total or perfection. And here God is clearing out all evil. He's getting rid of all sin. And we're going to come to uh, God now and ask him to forgive us for our sin, not just the bad things we do, but the way we, we don't want God to rule over us, the way we don't love him all of the time. We're going to say, sorry, the words of the confession are on page one of the service card. Together we pray. Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, by what we have done and by what we have failed to do, we are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life. To the glory of your name. Amen. At the beginning of the book of Revelation, we're told to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. 
Jesus died for us to take away our sin. So we don't need to fear the punishment of God. And so I can pray with confidence, Almighty God who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please would you stand to join in the responses at the bottom of page two. O Lord, open our lips. O God, make speed to save us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. We're going to praise his name in our all-age song, God Sits in the Highest Place. It's a reminder, as we've heard about him pouring out these bowls of wrath, he's going to banish sin and shame. God sits in the highest place. Uh, Dorothy's going to help us to sing this one. Turn to that God who sits in the highest place in prayer, and we're going to begin with the Lord's Prayer. Together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We begin this Sunday with you, our Father. It is your day. You claim it for yourself, and we desire to make it yours indeed. You've given it to us not as a hardship, but a day of blessing. We need its rest, that we may keep well and strong. We need its spiritual privileges that our hearts may be kept warm and loving. If we had no Sunday, we would soon let you slip out of our thoughts and life. So we thank you for the day which you've ordained in love for us. 
May this Sunday be full of blessing for us. We would leave the world outside. Help us to keep this day so as to please you and receive good for ourselves. In the quiet around us, may we hear your voice of gentle stillness, speaking to us words of love. May our homes be made sweet by your presence with us. Our minds have been ruffled and distracted by the cares of the week. Give us your peace this morning. May all fret and anxiety be taken out of our hearts. If the world has taken too strong a hold on us in the six days past, may your grace now so possess us that you shall rule again supreme in our lives. May our love for you be strengthened so as to expel the love of the world. As we pray, may heaven's blessings be given to us, comfort for our sorrow, strength for our weakness, guidance for our feet, and wisdom for our ignorance. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Sovereign Lord, we pray today for the persecuted church, remembering especially the Democratic, Democratic Republic of Congo, following an attack on a church in which 17 people were killed. And we continue to pray for the country of Nigeria, with over 10,000 Christians killed since 2015. We join the voice of the martyrs in Revelation 6, crying out, How long, O Lord, how long until you avenge their blood? Please comfort those suffering that your justice will come. Help them to respond with love for their enemies and please comfort them in their losses. Lord, in your mercy. We also pray for the youth event happening in Bilis on Saturday. We ask that many would come and pray that uh, there'd be good weather and a good safe time together and pray that all the young people would get to know you better through the time they spend uh, with you in your word. Lord, in your mercy. We continue to pray for the country of Ukraine. We pray for safety for those who've returned there, remembering especially Yaroslav and Vika. We pray uh, that these tanks uh, that have been promised will arrive, the, the leopard tanks, and that they would be very helpful in driving back Putin and his forces. We ask that you would grant victory to Ukraine. Please look after people, protect them from attacks. Please comfort those who are grieving. And we ask that in this difficult time, many would turn to you. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for all who are unwell at the moment. Remembering this morning, especially Leon Briardy, Olive Simmons, Lucy Roberts. Please guide her doctors and give them wisdom and pray she would get home again soon and you'd look after her. Please be with David Riley, Maria Turnham, Abby McDool, Sadie Durkin. And in a moment of quiet, any others who we know are facing any challenges with their health at the moment. Heavenly Father, we pray you'd help each person that we've just named or thought about. You, you know them all. Please give them patience in their trials. 
please free them from anxiety and grant them your peace that passes understanding. We pray it may be your will to heal and restore, but whatever the case, we pray your grace would be sufficient for each person and your power made perfect in weakness. Please help each person to know that you are at work in all things for the good of those who love you, so that they may trust you in their trials. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We also remember all those who are grieving at the moment. We continue to remember the family and friends of Derek Fleming, of Roy Ormiston. And this week we remember the family and friends of Oren Connolly. We also remember the family and friends of Willie and Mona Hartley on their anniversaries. And in a moment of quiet, others who we know are grieving at this time. Lord, you know the heartache these families are facing. We pray you'd be merciful. Thank you for your promise to be near to the brokenhearted. Please give your peace that passes understanding and hope for the days ahead. Lord, in your mercy. And the collect the special prayer for this Sunday. Creator God, who in the beginning commanded the light to shine out of darkness, we pray that the light of the glorious gospel of Christ may dispel the darkness of ignorance and unbelief, shine into the hearts of all your people, and reveal the knowledge of your glory in the face of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We close our prayers by joining together in the third collect for morning prayer. It's on page five of the service card. Together we pray. Go before us, Lord, in all our doings, with your most gracious favour, and further us with your continual help, that in all our works begun, continued and ended in you, we may glorify your holy name, and finally by your mercy attain everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, if the young people want to head out then for Sunday school, and if you're remaining in here, then we'll be looking at Revelation 16. Um, these are, these are hard words to hear, uh, but do remember as we read them who they're written to. These words are written to persecuted Christians facing difficult times. So let's look at Revelation 16. It's inside the service sheet or in the church Bibles on page 1037. Revelation 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels... Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers, and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments, for they shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. 
And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had the power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are demonic spirits, performing signs, who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. And great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on people. And they cursed God for the plague of the hail, because the plague was so severe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, before we look at those words together, we're going to um, stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed um, that you can find on the service card on page three. Let's stand and affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please do be seated and let's pray for God's help as we look at his word together. Lord God, our Father, your word contains some things that are hard uh, to hear. And we trust that all scripture is breathed out by you and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. 
Please help us this morning to understand your word and to get to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder what you make of the, the wrath of God as we had that reading read and it was hard, wasn't it? And as we said at the end of it, this is the word of the Lord. Maybe you found it hard to say thanks be to God. It, it's, it's, it's hard, isn't it, what we read here? Maybe you feel embarrassed or ashamed or uncomfortable as we hear this. Maybe, like me, you would prefer to talk about the love of God. As we looked at last week in Romans chapter 8, God's unbreakable love and those wonderful words. But wrath does not reduce love. Rather, it helps us to, to see the love more clearly. God is perfectly loving all of the time, and it's a holy love. Wrath and love are not opposites. Imagine you saw a child that you love about to be hurt by someone. Well, wouldn't you rush to defend them, to help them? Your, your love for that child would lead to an anger, a holy anger, rising up within you as you saw someone about to hurt someone. God is perfectly loving. His love is a holy love. And therefore he cannot tolerate evil. He would not be loving if he tolerated evil. He must punish all opposition to him. I was helped to understand this passage in many ways by uh, something that arrived in the post this week, the Church and Chains Global Guide. It's uh, an, an Irish voice for the martyrs, an Irish voice for the persecuted Christians. And right at the introduction to this, it's published every year, you can see that the countries in red are where the, the persecution is fiercest for uh, believers. At the beginning, uh, it says over 200 million Christians are at constant risk of persecution of one form or another. Over 200 million. Does God care for them? Yes. These chapters are going to show us that he cares deeply. Imagine you're a Christian in Nigeria, where over 10,000 have been killed, over 10,000 Christians have been killed since 2015. Thousands of others have been injured, kidnapped or raped. Imagine you've lost your home or your farm. Surely you wouldn't have a problem with the wrath of God. But rather you'd be crying out, how long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood? How long will these people get away with it? How long will the Fulani herdsmen, the Islamic militants, get away with this kind of destruction? In the West, we might struggle with the idea of the wrath of God because we don't tend to face too much persecution for our faith. But remember who Revelation is written to. We saw at the beginning of Revelation when we started it a number of months ago, we saw that it's written to seven churches who are being persecuted. Some of them have been thrown into prison. Some of them have died. Others will face death. They're facing hostility of false teaching. All sorts of challenges coming their way. And here in this book is a call to patient endurance to keep going with Jesus. How can you do that in the face of such opposition? Well, only if you know that God has not forgotten you that his wrath is coming and that evil will be punished. For us, maybe we have different struggles.
But don't you long for the day when there'll be no more suffering, no more sickness. There's so much hurt in the world. Don't you long for that day when it'll be over? Don't, don't you find yourself sometimes saying, how long, O Lord? And the answer from these two chapters in the Bible is it won't go on forever. Not forever, because God's wrath is coming. And it's a good thing. Evil will be punished. If you belong to Jesus, God's wrath is not something to be embarrassed by, but actually it's something to rejoice over. In, in chapter 15, we see it's actually something to, to sing about, that God cares and he's going to punish evil. Imagine living in Ukraine at the moment and Ukraine get the victory over Russia. Can you imagine the singing that there'll be in the streets, the dancing, at joy that their enemies have been defeated. And here in Revelation 15, it's, it's actually an anticipation of God's victory, of his wrath, that leads to the people singing. Who are the people singing? We're told about them in verse 2. They're those who've conquered the beast. And this is picking up language from earlier on in chapter 12 and verse 11, where we're told that the people, the Christians, conquered by the blood of the Lamb that is, by trusting in Jesus that he died for them, and by their word of their testimony. These are the ones who've conquered. These are the ones who are singing now. These are the ones, they're standing. And do you remember back in chapter 6, we, we asked that question. The question was asked, who can stand on the day of God's wrath? Who can stand? And we saw in chapter 7, those who could stand were those who'd been sealed, marked out as God's people, given his Holy Spirit, those who've taken refuge in Jesus, they've conquered, they're standing, and they're singing. They're singing the song of Moses. This was uh, the song that Moses and the people sang after they were delivered from judgment. Do you remember? They'd been slaves for 400 years in Egypt. God sent the 10 plagues, and then he led them through the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea, and they got through safely on dry land. And then Pharaoh and his armies came chasing after them. How would you have felt as the Israelites standing on that other, other side as you saw Pharaoh coming after them once more? But then God closed the sea over them and drowned them. And Moses led the people in singing praise to God for his justice, for his deliverance, for his judgment on their enemies. They were free, 400 years of being slaves, and now it's over. They're free to enjoy being God's people in his land, under his blessing. They sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus, his victory for his people from slavery to sin, the world and the devil. They're singing, praising God that his judgment is coming, his wrath is coming. Next, John sees these seven angels there in verse 6. These seven angels with seven plagues. And we're told that they've got these seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God in verse 7. What are these seven golden bowls that we hear about? Well, you might remember this is a bit of a recap of what we've seen so far. But back in chapter 5, we saw that the prayers of God's people ascended up to him and were gathered in bowls, golden bowls, and presented to God. And, and maybe you, you, you feel prayers are not answered, and you wonder when are they going to be answered. 
and for Christians in Nigeria at the moment as they cry out for justice, when are these prayers going to be answered? And here we saw that these prayers went to God and now the answer is being poured out with God's wrath. His wrath is his answer to his people's prayers for justice. Or the martyrs who were under the altar who'd been beheaded and cried out to God for justice. How long, O Lord? Well, here is the answer. God's judgment is coming. And I think here we're into the final judgment. We've seen already in Revelation the seven seals and the seven trumpets. And we saw at that point that those covered the whole time from Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension all the way until his return. We saw that's the world we live in now. It's a world under God's judgment. And the judgments are meant to be a a wake-up call for people to come back to God to turn back to him before it's too late. They were merciful judgments. With with each of them, there was a limit. So with the the seals, only a quarter of the world. With the trumpets, a third. But now we're into the final judgments and it's total destruction. These bowls of wrath, it's the end. And God's judgment is both awful and wonderful. It's awful. As we read chapter 16, it was hard to read. It's hard to hear, but it's also wonderful because God is going to purge this world to make it ready for his renewal. So do stick with us. We will get to Revelation 21, which is just wonderful news, but he's got to purge the evil first. Well, let's look at the judgment in chapter 16 and we see with these first three angels that the the bowls are poured out on the land, the sea and the rivers. And the destruction is awful, isn't it? But if you're one of God's people, if you belong to Jesus, this is not to be feared because you're safe. I think God's people have been gathered already at this point Uh, And they're the ones standing around the throne in verse 2, standing uh, by this sea of glass, singing at God's judgment, safe. But for those who've not turned to Jesus, it will be awful. It will be awful. Those who have the mark of the beast, we're told in verse 2, and we we saw, do you remember when we looked at that earlier on, we saw that that was the, the mark of going the world's way, of living the world's way and not going God's way rejecting God's rule. Those who've done that, who've taken the mark of the beast, gone the world's way, well, they'll now have a new mark, the mark of a painful sore in verse 2. The sea, I think representing the economy, the sea becomes blood. It's ruined, isn't it? The third angel pours out his bowl onto the rivers and all springs of water, they became blood. They are ruined as well. Do you, think, do you think maybe this is unfair, it's, it's too much? Well, verse 5 answers that question. Verse 5 says, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was. There's no is to come, because I think here we're in final judgment. For you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. When I was at school, and maybe it was the same for you, if you were ever caught uh, graffitiing the desk, uh, you, you had the punishment of having to sand down the desk. You had to make good. You had to try and... Uh, uh, you know, the, the teachers used to love finding a punishment that fitted the crime. Uh, that's what they used to enjoy doing. 
And here, the punishment fits the crime, doesn't it? The bloodthirsty are given blood to drink. Those who have killed Christians are now given blood to drink. The punishment fits the crime. It, it's picture language to show us that God's judgment is fair and right. The altar there in verse 7, it also says the same thing. This is the altar, remember, that, that bore witness to the martyrs in chapter 6. The martyrs who were crying out, How long, O Lord? Here the altar says, Yes, Lord, God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. This is the right thing, God. You're doing the right thing, and we're praising you for it. Now, this is a great encouragement if you're a persecuted Christian. You're living in Nigeria or somewhere where you face such hostility for following Jesus, to know that judgment will be done. You don't need to repay yourself. It's why Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You don't need to repay yourself. If you're wronged here in the West, you don't need to repay yourself. You can leave justice to God to do. We're told to pray for our enemies that they might repent and, and that Jesus might take the punishment for them. But if they don't, well, they will face justice. They won't get away with it. If you belong to Jesus, there is peace. There's nothing to fear with Jesus. But what about those who reject Jesus? How do they respond to this judgment? We've heard it's right, but verse 8, how do they respond? S sometimes we hear people saying, well, you know, I'll, I'll wait till the end of my life and then I'll turn to Jesus. I'm going to enjoy my life first and then I'll turn to Jesus. Oh, well, sadly, it misses out then on a whole lifetime of following Jesus. But also, as we see here, it seems that often that doesn't happen. Sometimes it does. But look what happens in verse 8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat and they cursed the name of God who had the power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. I heard this week about a plane crash a number of years ago and a Christian was on board that plane. He survived it, but many didn't. And he said what surprised him as the plane was going down, he expected people to be crying out to God for mercy. This is the last moment. Please, God, be merciful. But instead he heard them cursing God. It's exactly what it says here, isn't it? They cursed God. They thought they didn't deserve it. They cursed God and they did not repent. And of course, by cursing God and not repenting, they're showing, of course, they did deserve it. They haven't lived God's way. We're called to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength all of the time. How have we got on in the last week? And now multiply that by your lifetime. How many years? Do you see, God's judgment is right for the way people have treated him and the way that people have treated his children. The next bowl is poured out and, and darkness comes. It's poured out on the throne of the beast. Its kingdoms plunged into darkness. These are like the plagues in Egypt. Similar thing. People gnawed their tongues in anguish. And the same, they cursed God for their pain and sores. They did not repent. Their hearts, like Pharaoh, were hard. They refused to turn back to God. 
One day it will be too late. And then the next angel pours out his bowl and the great river Euphrates is dried up like the Red Sea perhaps. And here come all the, the, the kings of the earth gathered together against God and they're led by an unholy trinity. We're used to the, the trinity we've just affirmed our faith in, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. But here there's an unholy trinity. Do you see in verse 13 it's the the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Three unclean spirits. And they've led the kings astray. They've led these people away from God to stand in battle against God. Here they are lined up together at a place called Armageddon. Now I wonder how you feel about that as we see things like Ukraine and we see Russia and we see uh, perhaps the West offering tanks and Russia seeing that as a, a threat to them and them threatening back. And maybe we wonder what, what's going on. But, but Armageddon simply means Mount Megiddo, which was a place in the Old Testament where uh, God's enemies often rose up against him. And here is this final battle of people against God. We don't need to worry about Putin and what he'll do. This final battle isn't determined by Putin. And what happens in this final battle? Well, there's no contest. There's no contest, as we'll see in a moment. But even before we see that, Jesus speaks a word of encouragement to his people in verse 15. He says, behold, I'm coming like a thief. That means unexpectedly and suddenly. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Jesus is saying to those who are reading this letter, don't give up, don't go, go grow weary, don't be deceived by this unholy trinity. Don't be deceived by this false teaching. Don't be frightened. Stick with me. I will clothe you. I've drunk the bowl of wrath instead of you. Let me clothe you. Keep your garments on. Keep covered in my righteousness that you may not be seen exposed. Jesus is saying, I died for you. You belong to me. It may look frightening, but stick with me because there'll be no contest. Do you see verse 17? It sounds like this great battle is about to happen and we think tanks lining up everywhere. But look what happens in verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, which is the kingdom of Satan. We know from the book of Ephesians. He poured out his kingdom, his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it's done. It's over. There's no battle. There's no contest. Here we have the end of the world. Verse 18. An earthquake that's so great, there's never been one like it. Here's the end of the world, so that God can purge the world and make it right again. We'll get there in chapter 21, stick with it. But here is the end, here's an image of the end, and an end of ungodly, worldly society in verse 19. The great city, Babylon, representing all opposition to God, is made to drink the cup of the wine of the fury of the wrath of God. Here is an end to the world as we know it. And what's the response of the people? Once again, verse 21, they cursed God for the plague of hail. They don't respond by repenting. 
But you see, the wonderful thing is, if we turn to Jesus, he drunk that cup of wrath for us so that we don't have to face any of this. The wonderful thing of being Jesus' people means that we're safe from God's wrath. Well, as we close, as we return to that question, what do you make of the wrath of God? I wonder, do you see this morning that actually it's not something to be embarrassed about, but something to rejoice over? That God will do the right thing. He will get rid of all evil. It doesn't diminish his love, but it shows us more clearly what his love is like, that it's a holy love that cares about his people deeply, cares about when his people are hurt, cares for his people. It's a holy love that is necessary for there to be a new creation. And if you've taken refuge in Jesus, well, there is nothing to fear. But if you've not taken refuge in Jesus, please heed the warning. Jesus says, I'm coming like a thief. You won't know the day. The thief doesn't write to you before and say, I'm coming at nine o'clock. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Let's pray as we close this morning. Lord God, as we hear about your wrath, we pray we would see it as a good thing, something to rejoice in, that one day you will punish all evil. We pray we would take refuge in Jesus and see your love more clearly, see that your love is a love that cares, cares about all injustice, cares about how your people are treated. May we long for that day when you will put things right. Please help the Christians across the world who are persecuted even today. As they long for that day, may they be reassured that it will come, that you will do what is right. And may each of us here today take refuge in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing of uh, that refuge in Jesus in this last hymn, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds in a Believer's Ear. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds, and drives away our fear. Let's stand and sing together.
let us pray in response to the offertory. All things come of you, O Lord, and of your own have we given you. All those words once again from Jesus. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on. Let's close with the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Well, let me just update you with the announcements for this week. Uh, On Wednesday, we've got our Bible study at 8.30. On Thursday morning, there's Stradone Tots and Toys. And then in the afternoon, there's In Touch from 3.30 till 5.00. On Friday night, it's GFS. Um, So uh, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Um, Hopefully see you soon. God bless. Bye-bye.